You didn't buy the thousand dollar steak, did you? Vin? No, you did. I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe you had once. to? <laughs> we when he's Vegas, not it's there, a show. do they yeah. send somebody out who looks like him? No. To do the whole thing a... with the salt down their arm? Do they do that, or is only he allowed to run salt down his grimy arm onto yeah, your food? No, no, no. They, they all do that. They all do they this all like, do salt thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Notion just launched Notion Projects, which includes new, powerful ways to manage projects and leverage the power of their built-in AI features, too. Try it for free today at Notion.com slash twist. LinkedIn Jobs. A business is only as strong as its people, and every hire matters. Post your first job for free at LinkedIn.com slash twist. And Finn can't burn its mouth on hot pizza or wave at someone who wasn't waving at them. Finn can resolve half of your customer support tickets instantly before they reach your team. Meet Finn a breakthrough AI bot by Intercom, ready to join your support team today. Visit intercom.com slash fin. All right, everybody, it's Monday. Tons of news happening. We like to start the week off with some news and also uh, this week in AI. We have so much going on in AI. It's a complete platform shift. Tons of entrepreneurs have stopped working on whatever they were working on last year or for the last couple of years and become obsessed with this. And one of those entrepreneurs is Vinny Lingham, good friend of mine and the show. And he's here to chop it up with me. Welcome back to the program, Vinny. Take care. Good to be here. Thank you. Sonny couldn't make it. Uh, so we will get right into it. Um, there was, I don't know if you saw this story. It came out of the information. Uh, there was a social messaging startup. IRL was the name of it. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, they use the acronym in real life. And uh, they're shutting down after a board investigation found that 95% of their 20 million monthly active users were fake. Let's pause for a second, just take that in. They faked 95% of their user base. This was a group messaging app that was focusing on having users plan and discover in-person events. Yet another event planning app. We get pitched on these incessantly. Um, it's almost... Uh, like a joke within the industry of uh, fitness apps and uh, planning apps. Like, isn't it hard to plan a trip? Here's an app that does that. Isn't it hard to get pickup basketball games going? Here's an app for that. It turns out that the app for that, that really worked was meetup.com for people who are super dedicated and iMessage <laughs> and just starting <laughs> Facebook groups, etc. In other words, nobody's ever really made this work except meetup.com. Um, but looking at the cap table history, Vinny, uh, Founders Fund and Floodgate invested in the seed round back in 2017. Fair enough. $2 million, a $10 million post. It's a seed round. There's probably not much data it's, to go yeah. there. But fast forward mm -hmm. to 2021. This is where it gets interesting. They raised $170 million Series C at a $1.17 billion valuation backed by SoftBank's Vision Fund. Now, lack this of. investigation. <laughs> yeah. Lack of, um, lack, lack of Vision Fund. Yeah, crippled vision fund. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so anyway, they, the information, uh, which does a great job, shout out to Jessica Lesson, uh, did some investigations, they talked to some anonymous employees. Uh, and uh, these anonymous employees questions the CEOs metrics. After this March information article inside the company, some employees recently expressed concerns to managers about the usage figures the company had touted. It just seemed to stem from Shafi's, uh, the CEO co-founder, uh, Abraham 
Shafi. Uh, he wanted to use a more expansive definition, or more expansive, of active users than that of established social apps like Facebook. Uh, and they felt the company may have used an unconventional definition to make the app appear bigger than it was. Board investigation happened and an SEC probe into the company two months ago. Shafi was suspended for misconduct. And late last week, in the Friday news dump, a spokesperson for IRL dropped the results from the board investigation. 95% of the 20 million users, that's 19.5 million of them, uh, I believe, or something in that range, uh, were either automated or from bots. Company was shut down, capital returned to shareholders. What do you think, Vinny, um, of this level of fraud? Is this something that happens often? Because this is far beyond fake it till you make it. So, so, so Jake, Jake you, you know, I've spent like since 2015 working on identity. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this is a, a subject that's very close to my, close and near and dear to my heart. Um, and and I'll, I'll start by saying that, you know, this is not the first and it's not the biggest either blow up in the space. I mean, Frank, mm. I think Frank was a lot bigger. Um, there was the, uh, I think Goldman Sachs invested in those guys. Um, oh, yeah. And there was, yeah. Frank faked 4 million users. Was only but four. Sorry, but the investment but amount no, no, is higher. But there's a big difference. Those were, I think, um, those were bank accounts and banking. Yeah, bank accounts yeah. and stuff like that. And they had been bought yeah. for 175 million. Yeah, so yeah. continue. This is something that yeah. happens on the regular. Why does this happen? If you were like well, well, a well, non, take a step back. Take a step, take a step back. back. Okay. Okay. How is this any different from what Twitter was doing before Elon took over? Okay, Twitter. Um, was allowing apparently i don't have any inside information here but <laughs> they were allowing bots all over the system and they were counting daily active users or monthly active users that people considered questionable monthly yeah, yeah mdows monetizable daily active users there, there was a lot of shenanigans going on with the numbers clearly and they were incented yeah. to allow bots on the system so yeah. elon talked publicly about people we're creating the fake bots just to fire off SMS in countries mm -hmm. where like people had control of the SMS system. And then we're getting paid five cents every time the SMS went through from Twitter, which was paying for an SMS gateway. So they would just have armies of people signing up for accounts. And you had this like steady stream of millions of accounts being created that, you know, were lightly used, I guess, uh, but keeping up this fraud. Um, and I, it does feel like there was fraud at Twitter as well. Well, yeah. uh, also serving ads to bots is a very profitable business, <laughs> you know. Uh, until I, I, people realize I, I, that, like, they're because at the end of the day, performance comes into play, and I think people yeah. felt like, well, wait, there's no performance here. Well, that there was. It takes a couple of years to churn and burn, right? So, like, mm -hmm. I, I've advertised on Twitter before. They uh, they take take your budget, ten, twenty, fifty, hundred k, and then they burn through it, and then okay, next, <laughs> you know, and so they they keep trying new customers until people keep getting burnt, and that's what you know. I think they got to the end of that recently. Look, here's the issue: there are no legal standards. I mean, you know, mm. if you go to a bank and you get KYC and you know AML, and it, they know it's Jason, um, you, it's difficult to fake another Jason. I mean, it's possible, yeah. but it's it's harder, right? With these services, there's no identity attached to them. Facebook's got no identity. Uh, Twitter's got no identity. None of these services, and they don't want identity, right? Because Why don't they, they have want it? Because it reduces their numbers, right? Significantly. So 
they're puffing I mean, up Instagram, their numbers by Instagram's, not. Yeah. Instagram's a great example. How many Instagram fake accounts do you get a day? I get tons jumping on, you know, like. It's nuts. It's, 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 it's nuts, right? But they Where, count those are, as uses. Okay, explain the dark web here and what's going on with these fake accounts. How are these fake accounts being created en masse? Well, so what they do is they go and buy old accounts. So they, they try and age accounts. That's one way of doing it. So you get an account that was created three years ago. But who created ago. all those accounts? Are they doing scripts? Are they have they, yeah, farms they, they, in they, India, Manila, where farms, people are getting paid a dollar yeah. an hour to just make, you know, 50 accounts? Yeah. Dormant accounts. And then they buy the account. They also use these farms to like create lots of follower accounts. So you have 5,000, 10,000 followers. But these are all other bots following these accounts. It's, it's mm. all fake. And then they use those accounts. Uh, eventually, they turn. They just change things, right? They put change a new profile picture, put a nice, pretty girl on there. All her modeling photos. You'll see. One of the tricks is to look at when you get a, uh, you know, you get one of these fake accounts. Look at the dates, and you'll find most of them were added in the past like month or two or three, and yeah. a lot of photos are uploaded on the same date. As mm. opposed to if you go to my Instagram feed, you'll see every single photo is on a different date, different mm. places uh, over spanning ten years. Like my, uh, or so Instagram years, just whatever. allows it. Why? Yeah. Why does Instagram allow this? Because it, it they've got internal it, KPIs. They got internal uh, KP, the KPIs are how, how how many users are we adding? What's the growth that we have? Um, you know, because these numbers tie into the the ratings that they get for like you know ad budgets and oh Instagram is growing faster, we should put some more money there. There's no incentive to cut it down. Now they could argue, oh people, you know, we, we people want to be a little bit synonymous. They want to be anonymous for whatever reason. They've got privacy. But it's a lot of it's just BS. I mean, there's ways of solving these problems. There's just, there's just no wherewithal to solve it. This applies to all social networks. There's no interest in solving this problem. Now, they think phone numbers is a way of doing it. Phone numbers is not a way of doing it. How many spam calls do you get a day? How many these voice yeah. of IP banks, you can just go buy hundreds of these numbers. That's not a way of gating it. The only way to do it is to attach identity, and you can do it in an anonymous way. So you can do like... You can have a, a JCal identity that you, a digital identity that you use that it always knows it's you, but it doesn't know who you are, and you can't use it multiple times to create multiple accounts. There's ways of doing this, but in all it my just, years, of, the ways get when you put up friction. Sometimes, yes, I guess their exactly. character would be if you put up friction, then the next incremental user might not sign up. So you do get a exactly. little bit of that. Um, but exactly. Yeah, and, and for people who haven't heard the term. KPI key performance indicator. If you hear a bunch of buzzwords at a startup like CAC or uh, yeah. LTV, these are you know customer acquisition costs, lifetime value of those customers, revenue per whatever, um, you know different ratios, whatever. Yeah, average revenue per user. These are things that management will set out so that everybody can work towards a goal. Hey, let's reduce the amount of churn. Let's increase. Uh, the average revenue per user, but if you create an incentive, people will abuse the incentive. One example was Nextdoor. I love Nextdoor as a mm. site; it provides a ton of value to me. But they disclosed when they did their SPAC that they count an active user as quote unique members who have started a session or opened a content email over the trailing thirty days. And that last part, like, okay, I I got an email because I had signed up for Nextdoor and I you know was scanning through my emails and now I count as a user. I I found that one to be a little bit shaky. Now it's not outright fraud. Uh, in this case, they had ninety five percent were fake. So actually, that's nineteen of twenty million. I think I said nineteen point five. Yeah, it would be nineteen of million of twenty million were faked, which is just insane. Um, mm. This person's gonna go. This person's gonna go to jail. By the way. All right, listen. 
you know, my team runs on notion, I've talked about it 100 times, I use notion all day long, I use it personally, I use it at my companies, I use it in collaboration with our founders, I've talked about this hundreds of times, notion runs everything at my company smoothly, we do a right first culture. And we also have a lot of projects we're doing. And now it turns out notion is about to make project management, not even better, but perfect. Today, I'm excited to share that they just launched notion projects, which includes new powerful ways to manage projects and leverage the power of their built in AI features too. notion projects combines project management with your docs knowledge base and AI. So you can stop jumping between tools and, and stop paying too much for them too. notion is again, uh, a critical part of my life. Uh, can't live without it. And so uh, do your most efficient work with notion projects. You can try it for free today at notion.com slash twist. That's all lowercase letters notion.com slash T W I S T. When you use our link, you're supporting this show and our ability to make great content for you founders, investors and technology enthusiasts. Go right now notion.com slash twist. But what about diligence? What, what, how come these well, the, the diligence periods, like the diligence is coming back? It's the new trend. So diligence will happen. Diligence right? is back. Yeah, Why? So let me bad. ask you a question. You've been an entrepreneur for a while. You've done di you've had diligence done on your companies. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes people don't do diligence. You've had both experiences, I assume. Some people just trust that whatever you told them is true, and they believe the story and they give you money. Um, and then other times people do diligence in when you've raised money, how often, you know, out of 100 investors that you've probably worked with over the years? How many did diligence? How many didn't be candid? I, I think with gift, for example, which was, um, we, you know, we raised basically a seed round. I don't think we, and we raised a very small A round. It was, it was kind of a party round. We raised a whole mm -hmm. bunch of checks here and there. No one really did diligence. I think they asked us for our financials and whatever else. No one double checked anything. It was anything. cursory. Yeah, cursory because it's early stage, right? It's like there was nothing really there. There's nothing then, there, yeah. When we sold the company at that point, it was, you know, tens of millions of dollars in revenues. First data came in and it took six months to get that deal closed. Oh, really? Yeah. And just because of all the diligence, the documents, the open source licenses that we were using, all those things. Like we had, a, like the diligence, the, the, you know, the, 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 the data room was insane, right? Because mm. it's a big public company that does, well, at that point they were private, but they were, you know, they were going public, trillions of dollars worth of transactions. They, they just couldn't afford to, you know, get into a mess. And so they were, they were pretty um, stickly about it, right? And that was great. And so we, but then here's what happened. So after I passed that, that hurdle and sold the company. Um, my next company, no one, like everyone just trusted me, right? So all my old investors, like when he knows what he's doing, he's trusted entity. We'll just put money into his next company. And that, and that worked. And like, even now with, uh, with weight room, I mean, it was an early stage company and like no one's questioning my ability to run a, a solid organization. It's going to happen. You'll get all of these requests when you have uh, more revenue customers exactly. exactly and that's when they'll do it so exactly but, i mean this early is early stage, crazy. early stage diligence is early stage diligence doesn't make sense right because there's nothing really there it's, i mean there are you, things you bet, on our diligences on we I'll, I'll give you launch does diligence um yeah. even for seed stage and we'll even do it like in our accelerator um and what we tell our founders is hey we're going to do a diligence process because we want you to understand the diligence process you'll go to go through with mm -hmm. downstream investors when we introduce you to vcs and seed funds now, some of these things will not apply to you. When we ask you for bank statements, we ask you for financial statements, P&Ls, you may not have them because you've only spent money, you've never had revenue coming in. 
Um, but we do want to see your incorporation documents. We do want to see yeah. your IP assignment. We do want to see your cap table. Um, and we do want to see that you opened a bank account and just where that bank account is. And uh, it's amazing. People are like, what's an IP assignment? And so, like, oh, okay, that's when you start the company that mm -hmm. all the creations you make as the founders go to the company, mm -hmm. not you. So down the road, you know, you don't claim that you have some patent that, you know, is here. Or we just asked them, has anybody threatened legal action? And not just ha and then has anybody sent a legal letter? And has anybody verbally or by email or other electronic communications threatened to make a legal claim against the company? So when you really open it up like that, they could say, yeah, you know, so we fired somebody and they said, uh, I'm going to sue you. And that was seven months ago. We never heard from them. Great. That happens to every company. People get upset. They got fired. They threatened to sue, but it was just a, a text message. The fact that somebody would like put in such a large amount of money and not do basic That's the issue. That's due the diligence issue. is really the issue here. I mean, if I'm doing it for literally a 100K check into an accelerator or a 500K C check. Exactly. You know, when you start putting in tens of millions of dollars, that's the problem. Look at this yeah. hit list. Well, but, 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 but Jason, the, this is the, the culture of the Valley has always mm -hmm. been, you have, who's the lead investor? Mm -hmm. Okay, Trust it's them. Sequoia, it's Sequoia, and you just put the money behind them, or it's Chamath, or it's whatever, right? So no matter who the lead, it depends on who the lead investor is. Sofak was the lead. <laughs> I know, but this is the problem. Like, so this is what's happened in the past 24 months. The, the pyramid of trust is broken down. You can't trust yeah. anyone. You trust no sure one is a much no better. One. Yeah, trust, but, trust but, no but, one. But, trust but, but verify, actually. I, I, would in, I would be paranoid yeah. and have trust no one in your uh, mind, just in the yeah. back of your mind. But I would trust but verify as your publicly facing stance. I have seen people who I thought were incredibly trustworthy, do incredibly um, fugazi, untrustworthy stuff in my experience. Like literally I had some, I had a founder, I'm gonna make this an amalgamation of stories. I had a founder who specifically signed like six of the seven documents and then didn't sign one of them. And everybody put their packets together and somebody on the operations team didn't check the SIGs and noticed that his one signature wasn't on the page. That page had certain rights. And he said, oh, yeah, no, that never got confirmed. And I said, yeah, but the other six pages did. You, the spirit of this was X. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but I guess not. Because it wasn't signed. Mm -hmm. So I guess you'll have to sue me. Like, literally, a founder said that to me. I was just like, okay, I know who you are. I'll never invest in you again. Goodbye. The end. Um, but look at Guys this. Um, they get tripped up at some point when they act like that. You got to be careful. Yeah. And when people show you who they are, um, you can believe them. Yeah. Going down this list, look at this murderer's row of frauds during the zero interest rate phenomenon. Here we go. Piano exit. SPF and FTX. Eight criminal charges. Hey, some of them might get dropped. Frank founder Charlie Javis. Hey, she faked four million users to get acquired by JP Morgan. Do Kwan, he got picked up in Montenegro with a fake passport, charged with eight counts of fraud in the US. He was on this program. Shout out. OpenSea product manager front running nfts it wasn't enough to be selling nfts he needed to front run them to faithful chastain convicted in may faces up to 20 years in federal prison coinbase product manager accused of insider trading aka front running tokens that are about to be listed on coinbase they both settled with the sec gave up their ill-gotten gains with interest pled guilty to conspiracy one faces a two-year sentence. The other brother who worked at Coinbase will serve a 10-month sentence. Headspin founder Manish 
Lakwani overstated revenue, raised $100 million on fake numbers, pled guilty to wire fraud and securities fraud. He got pinched. Sentencing is September 27th, likely serve a decade plus in jail. And that doesn't even bring the long, slow arm of the law getting Elizabeth Holmes, who's now going to serve 9, 10, 11 years while her children, tragically, are uh, in their but did, didn't she years. have those? Didn't she have those children to try to get leniency from the court? They were sympathy babies, uh, is the most cynical take on them. She literally tried to get a... She had reduced sentence babies. Uh, sympathy babies to I try mean, to curry things. That is they, dark. They so, they so consistent with her, her darkness, I guess. She's like a sociopath. She like, literally, yeah, to be like, I'm going to birth two babies who now have a lifetime of therapy. Yeah. Because their mother had them before she knew she was going to prison in order to try to save, cut a couple of years off. So she used our suffering for this reason. I mean, it is the worst, if that's exactly what she did, which it seems to be the case. If that's what she did, it's a short list of more evil things you could do to a child. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a level of abuse that is truly dark and deranged. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Hey, did you see Databricks is acquiring Mosaic ML for $1.3 billion. He was recently on the podcast, Naveen Rao. Uh, let me just play a quick clip from him from episode 1754, and then I'll get your reaction on this deal. So what we're doing today is really bringing these capabilities of large-scale machine learning, which is generative AI in my, in my mind, to many organizations um I, I think one of the things we've done even with my previous company was trying to really bring these capabilities to more people to create the world we want i i see success as people that disagree with me being able to build models equally as good as me right i think that's how we're going to make this world work and it's become front and center now with the debates around um regulation of ai and you know putting some sort of you know government licenses and this and that um, I, I think really this is solved more in a market as a market solution where many people can build this stuff. Many people can imbue these models with the biases that they see fit. And, you know, we'll let the market decide uh, mm. wh where, where things should be, not some sort of centralized regula regulatory agency. And so if you don't know, Mosaic ML basically allows businesses to build their own chat GPT-like tools. Uh, you can use their software, plug in your own data and build out a chatbot either internally or for your user base. Databricks, of course, competes with Snowflake. Uh, if you don't didn't know that, sits on top of your AWS, your Azure, Google Cloud, whatever, and it helps categorize and manage uh, your data so it's easier to access. Uh, what are your thoughts? This is pretty stunning. I think it was a great exit for Mosaic. I mean, they're walking into a space where the capital requirements to participate at the highest levels are about to go through the roof, or they already have, just the hardware requirements, etc. And I, I think that, that it's a very competitive and very open marketplace. I mean, Facebook's got their stuff that they're doing, their open, more open sort of approach to it. Google's recognized they've got to be open. He's right. There is a marketplace of co and, and there's competition. And the problem is all the giants, all the tech giants sitting with tens and hundreds of billions of dollars in cash, they can outplay and, and outmaneuver any startup when it comes to resources. They've got the money to do it. So... You know, you're stuck in this this sort of conundrum where you go, do I raise a fifty hundred million dollar round or two hundred million dollar round to compete and keep going, and then I need to exit at three billion maybe, or you know, maybe even more depending on the terms, um, or do I take the take the win? I don't know how much they've raised. How much did they raise to date? 
just so uh, folks know, yeah, they had raised only 34 million. Wow. So that means they probably only diluted, I don't know, let's just say 30%, maybe the founders probably own 50%, the employees 20%. They got to have to do a massive earn out here. They're going to have to vest that in order to get this kind of deal. They're not just getting a billion dollars in cash. This was an all stock deal, as you would expect. They need to keep these folks hungry. Uh, you can see um, the um, MBT 30B chat, which is their chat on hugging face. Um, but basically, you know, it feels to me like there's so many people making these models, foundational models, and the open source community has so much engagement right now, and they were working on open source models, uh, I believe, that I think open source is going to win this race. What do you think, Vinny? Is, it, is this going to go to Google and Microsoft slash OpenAI, or do you think the open source world is going to win the day here? So I, I think we're at the bottom of some sort of an S-curve for this technology where you're going to have a, a rapid amount of innovation in a short space of time, and then it's going to peter off and, and, and sort of slow down. Whether that happens in one year, two years, five years, ten years, I don't know. But yeah, kind of law of large numbers sort of mindset, it's going to slow down. It's going to get so big and eventually things slow down. Now, when it slows down, so, to, so that S-curve migration for me is going to be open source driven. I don't think that I don't think that companies can outmaneuver and outcompete the open source market and the, the the thousands and millions of people working on AI across the globe to come up with the best solution. So the market approach is that the cream will rise to the top. Now, when that happens, I think we're going to have a Mozilla esque world where you know Mozilla, Firefox, Chrome now in a Chromium world, where you have, you know, even Microsoft Edge is using Chrome, Chromium. So it's open source underneath it, but they've got their own flavor yes. of it. So I think what you'll you're have referring is... referring to the browser, yeah. The, the browser, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what I think you're going to have is this rapid acceleration mm -hmm. to a point of, you know, slower growth and slower rate of change and a more mature sort of stack. And then from there, companies, corporations, startups, brands will take that stack and start making it fit for purpose and trying to create something on top of that, more of a sort of an interface layer that people can engage with and is pretty robust and, and more, more of an industry standard, right? So we, we can't agree on the standards. We can't agree on a lot of things right now because it's all in flux. And, you know, it's like, it's like when, when, when Linux came out, it was Linux, Red Hat, you had, I mean, you had like 50 different variants of Linux back in the days. You had and so many different ways yeah. to, and also ways to put uh, web servers up and to... Yeah. You know, serve web pages and an Apache, open source. Nginx, all, all yeah, stuff, everything right? so, just became open source. And interestingly, Snowflake acquired Neva. That was the uh, AI powered search engine. They acquired that in May. We had the CEO of Neva on this program back on episode 1686 in February. I think actually Molly did that interview. Creating a job post and finding qualified candidates, man, it is time consuming unless you use LinkedIn jobs. They are closing in on a billion users. And just think about uh, how many insanely qualified people there are looking for work right now. Go post your open role at LinkedIn and you're going to be 100% certain that you have access to the most qualified candidates that are available. And guess what? The first one's on your boy Cal. That's right. Go to LinkedIn.com slash twist linkedin.com slash t-w-i-s-t and post your first job for free there's nothing to lose and everything to gain including the purple ring 
for your profile. So everyone in your LinkedIn network knows you're hiring. That's how you get those pocket listings, those great people where maybe they're not actively looking, but ooh, they see somebody they respect is uh, hiring. Oh, an interesting company. And maybe inception happens. They, you get inside their head. Hmm, maybe I should consider some opportunities. That person looks like a dope person to work with. When you think about LinkedIn jobs, I want you to think better candidates faster. That's right. Better candidates faster. Better candidates faster. Faster to get better candidates. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash twist. That's LinkedIn.com slash twist to post your job for free. Of course, terms and conditions apply because they're giving you something for free. Why do these data companies like Databricks and Snowflake covet AI and are spending money buying these? Why, why are they uh, in such a panic to catch up here? I mean, it's disruptive, right? They, 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 if, if their competitors are doing it and getting return on investment from it, then you can bet you know you can bet your bottom dollar that that look profits are going to seep a away from companies not using AI to companies that are using AI. Mm. Simply simply put, like and we've had this conversation before, um, the, you know low level low level jobs or repetitive task jobs like customer support. Okay, take any large company. This is used. I always use Verizon because they probably get like. I don't know, 20 million tickets a year and they've been getting that many for, I don't know, 10 years. So they've got 200 million email tickets. You plug that into an LLM and then you let the LLM, you, LLM reply to every other, like the chance of getting a ticket that has never been seen before diminishes greatly every single day. And then, mm. and even then the, the system can use inference and figure out exactly what the person's saying and come up with a good response. So now you're going to go from 10,000 customer support people to zero. Mm. being a software driven or maybe you keep 100 for like layer, level 2 support or something right that, that's what's going to happen in the industry we are going to we're going to automate these jobs that have large data sets behind it where humans have been trained to understand where to look for information versus AI knows the information that's available within milliseconds and can produce it I mean it's it's to me this is the way things are going to be we're going to see a massive amount of job loss in these sort of categories but it's not about the job losses it's about the profits Companies deploying AI are going to increase their profit lines, and that affects this is the, the key competitors. Point. And when that you, affects the competitors. This is going to be the key thing. I um, have made these discussions. I've had these discussions internally at my companies over and over again. Inside.com is a newsletter business, um, and we have great newsletters, and it makes millions of dollars. It's doing great. Um, and I was just looking at, like, we spend a little bit of time tagging stuff, and I just took a story, and I said, tell me who this story is about. And I just cut and pasted our summary of the story because we kind of aggregate and organize the data there and um, try to make sense of it for folks so they don't have to spend so much time reading. They just read a, like a little presidential brief, as it were. Like, that's what I sort of uh, base it on. And then I took the original story and I put it in. And it knew ChatGP4 and Bard both did a stellar job of, you know, when I said, hey, uh, tell me what this story is about or who's in this story. It organized it perfectly. And that was, I think, really interesting to me when I said, hey, tell, I, I literally went through this and said, put who is in this story and um, put them into a category and describe them. And it was like, oh, this story is about a company named X and another company and named three companies in the story. Describe them in a sentence linked to their website. And then it said, oh, and there's a media outlet that wrote the story. 
And then there's an alliance in this story, um, which is a smart home alliance. And then uh, there's this person who is the um, host of this podcast who was quoted. And I was like, whoa, like the tagging, just that little thing of tagging information on the internet was done by humans for so long. And I was like, this is incredible. Like you could really understand what the story is about. And you don't need a human to do that anymore. Now humans tagging journalism stories and organizing them, that might be 5% of the job. It's gone. It's automated. And there's no difference. And there's just going to be this continual 5% improvement on how to write a lead sentence in a story, or I did a bunch of research on event spaces for the all in summit and uh, um, event managers, party planners, because we're looking for party planners, we like to use different party planners, one for each night. Um, and then we look for like epic locations. And I started putting the locations in. And I think in an hour or two of me doing that and brainstorming, and I'm not perfect with my prompts, but I'm getting really good at them. I had done what would normally take somebody a week, like a, you know, a 30, 40, $50 an hour employee, it was a week's worth of their work done by an hour or two with me. And uh, then I just shared it with that person. <laughs> and with the shared GP, now that you don't have to share GPTP, I just shared it with them. Have you had any moments like that where you figured stuff out long before handing it off to somebody? Um. Yeah, I've become very, very self-sufficient with with ChatGPT these days, and I'm I'm also using the Google Generative Search. Have you seen that? Uh, no. Tell me what you're so, talking about. So, so I've been approved for Google, and I can probably demo this quickly. So, I'm in Google right now, and what what, what are we going to search for? What are some movies like Blade Runner? So Google now, if you approve for it, you get this, get an AI-powered overview of the search. So here's the basics, it's Blade Runner. That didn't answer the question at all. It says, well, I guess it did. It's 10 movies like Blade Runner 2049, um, not Blade Runner the original. So let's hit the generate and see what it comes up with. So Blade Runner 2049, Dune, The Matrix, Dark Perfect. City, Arrival. Yep. I mean, this is great, right? Um, and then you can ask a follow-up. What's the most famous Blade Runner scene? And the AI goes and generates an answer for you. So instead of going through websites and trying to find this information, you can you can just uh, use generate AI. So what does Roy say at the end of the Blade Runner? Mm. Like tears in the rain. Yeah, yeah. All these moments so, been lost. So so, so what's happening? What's happening fundamentally, AJ, is that. AI is now instead of like the, the current paradigm. And I say current because AI is not is kind of the next step. The current paradigm is you go to Google, you type mm -hmm. in a string, and it mm -hmm. finds pages that match the words that you've typed in. It doesn't contextualize it very well. It doesn't understand what the um, what the question means, what it's what it's asking. It's just trying to match those words. With generative AI, what it's doing is it's saying, "Oh, okay." Vinny's asking about this movie, which we know is Blade Runner, and similar movies to it. And then let's go in, no, knowing that we've read and indexed all these pages, let's just give him the answer instead of having to give him links where he has to go look for the answer. So they're actually taking a, they're taking a step out of the process in a big way, and they're saving tons of time. Um, I, I've been using this for a lot, lot of personal medical research. I found out that I have a, um, you know, genetic markers for, for potassium deficiency. So I've been doing research on what you know what, what what I can take for that, what dosages, and I'm actually not even using Google anymore. I'm just using ChatGPT mm. and 
and and uh, even this Google AI, you know, uh, search stuff. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's really powerful. Google autocomplete uh, in search, you know, where you type in Vinnie Lingham and then it's like space and it's like net worth, wife, all this like creepy stuff comes up. And you're like, mm-hmm. really? This is what you people are searching for? It's going to now, it, it knows what your next question is. And it's going to go well beyond that to uh, let you ask follow-ups. So I just asked it, um, explain Blade Runner main themes to me as if I'm a seven-year-old. And it's like, what makes us human? Blade Runner explores the questions of what makes us human. The replicants of the film are almost indistinguishable from humans, but they are not considered to be human because they were created in a lab. It's like really amazing. Um, uh, uh, And then the follow-ups... You know, uh, what is the main plot point of Blade Runner, etc. You, you can see how this would keep you from clicking on the blue links below it. And that's, I think, what everybody said the threat would be. But I don't think this is going to be a problem for their advertising. Because I think they're still on the high value ones going to be able to if I typed in what's the best Greek food in the Bay Area. Um, Kokari. <laughs> Kokari. Well, Mykonos, Kokari. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, let, let's see. Yeah, Evia should come up. And uh, yeah, it didn't do a great job on that one. But very interestingly, they've now, oh, this is interesting. So what's interesting about this is you see this generative AI experiment here. It's not just giving you a chat response. It's pulling the, it's pulling in maps and it's pulling in um, my location uh, in the Bay Area. It's, it's doing some pretty interesting things here. Um, I mean, you can't, not, you, you can't not have Kokari and Evia on that list. It's, it's no. Not. What's the highest rated Greek food in uh, within 100 miles of San Francisco? This would be more interesting. Kokari number go. one. Okay. There you go. Okay. okay. Yeah, Nick the Greek, Euro. So it, it got some. I mean, this has got yeah. work to do. But yeah, it's getting there. Finn can't spill coffee on a white shirt or wave at someone who wasn't waving at them or burn its mouth on hot pizza. But Finn can resolve half of your customer support tickets instantly before they reach your team. What's Finn? Finn is a breakthrough AI bot from Intercom designed for customer support teams and ready to put other chatbots out of work. It learns your entire knowledge database and has the ability to carry conversations and remember context and nuance while slashing your resolution times and support volume meet finn a breakthrough ai bot by intercom ready to join your support team today visit intercom.com slash finn tell me the most expensive steak you can buy in los angeles no sir at steakhouse (laughs) unfortunately interesting cut wolfgang pucks michelin star I don't know if that's correct. No, 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 no sir. They, 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 they've uh, got a thousand dollar steak. Yeah. The, yeah. A thousand dollar gold, 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 the gold. Yeah. Crest gold one. Yeah, yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I think they were, <laughs> I think the generative AI here on Google. His business is in taste. trouble, dude. It's trying his business to is in trouble. His business is in trouble. After the whole oh, World Cup thing. Like I haven't gone back. I used to go. I used to go in, you know. The, After the, one the thing, food. what happened to him? Oh, he was like taking the, the World Cup and standing in front of Messi and trying to like, he's annoying the players. He was not even a player. And he's, did you never see these clips? No. Sope, yeah. At the World Cup, he was acting he like a grabbed, maniac? Grabbed it, grabbed it to, oh, he's acting like a maniac. I mean, people 
chewed him out. He's he's had to close businesses now. He's had a bunch of stores closed down in New York because because people he was so embarrassing. Pers- he was so embarrassing. He was so cringy. I mean, he was taking the, the he was taking the, the trophy away from the players, kids, and stuff, and like. And then I'm like, who is this guy? Why is he? What like, does Sofe have to do with the World Cup? He's not nothing. a player. He's just he's. he's How did he even get near the World Cup? I guess he does video. They all they always eat it. Okay, take this out. All right, show me what's going on here. Okay, he's saying hello, and he's asking him to point into here. He's trying to say hi to the folks, and they don't want to say hi to him. They're they like, chase yeah, whatever. him again, and Messi's like, "Dude, leave me alone," because Messi ate at the restaurant once, I think. Oh my god, this guy is so annoying. He's so bad. He's cringy. Oh wow. He's not supposed to touch the World Cup trophy and he did. And then there's another clip of him taking away from the one kid's Here you go. He's like Oh my god. Yeah. I, I never liked the guy. I'll be honest. I never went. I never would go. Uh, um if yeah, I mean I've been I've been twice and the food was really good, so I went back. This oh, is like okay. before the World Cup. The food was actually really good. Like, you uh, didn't uh, buy the thousand dollar steak, did you? Vin- no, you did. I mean, come on, JJ. <laughs> maybe maybe you had once. To? <laughs> maybe you, wait, once. Did you or didn't you? It, it was my it was my brother's birthday, and he okay, wanted to stay. Yeah, yeah. It was it wasn't my choice. He wanted it. I bought it for him. I was like, okay, fine. I'll get you the thousand dollar steak. And it, it was a good photo for his Instagram. And it was, was his it? Birthday. Yeah, it was like for Instagram. But if uh, if you got that steak, or you went to a real steakhouse like Miller and Lux, and yeah. you know. You 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 ate it. It wouldn't be you would you would pick the Miller and no, Luck one. Yeah, obviously, it, it, it was look the food. The food was the food is good. Uh, was good. I, like there's no question. Um, he run the salt down his sweaty arm. He wasn't get, there. He he uh, wasn't there. But the, well, I have another you know, question so, about that. It's, it's, it's a bit w- of a show. We when he's Vegas, not there, it's a bit of a show. do they yeah. send somebody out who looks like him? No, to do the whole thing a, with the salt down their arm. Do they do that, or is only he allowed to run salt down his grimy arm? Yeah, no, 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 they, they all do that. They all do they this all like do it? salt thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my I god! Mean, it's, it's, it's the whole thing is it's a show. So we were in Vegas. We're having dinner there. Yeah, it's, I, it's I a understand. Show. I, I, it's, I would, it's a whole show. The, the food I, is good. I, I would have considered participating in it, and uh, as long as I wasn't paying. Since I got you here, <laughs> uh, you uh, have any thoughts on this? Um, I, I made some comments on Friday about this crazy behavior by rich people uh, vis-a-vis the submarine going to the titanic uh did you see my tweet everybody i didn't see your tweet but i know you have an opinion so okay. i'm curious N- nick can pull it up quickly it's um, like the lo- i think well, what, was your, what was your take on it generally i mean you're somebody who's done okay for themselves and you like to enjoy the finer things in life would you ever consider doing something this reckless i, I mean personally i a w- witness I-, I personally would not that's not yeah. my style even yeah. like going into space, I'd have to go after a thousand like flights at least and there's Makes regulations sense. and yeah. whatever else. I just wouldn't put myself in that situation. But that's not the point. And Nick, if you can put up my tweet, this tweet got a lot of like controversial sort of responses and, and we can probably scroll down to some of them. But th- this is what actually got me going. I was like, guys, these people like died yes. and all we're doing is joking about it and making some – like what, so what, weird. Where, where have we gotten to? And the responses were – Literally, like, there was one guy who said, uh, if you scroll down a bit more, not, not Peter. Uh, oh, yeah. This is uh, Ajith Eith, okay? So, he goes, hundreds of immigrants drowned in the coast of Greece because of the actions of the Coast Guard. No one bats an eye. So, the people to blame or sensation medium to blame. But, but my point is, no one's making jokes about these things, yes, right? Yes, there's two different so, issues. He makes yes. a valid point about valid point, what should be covered point. by the media. The media covering did not cover hundreds of poor immigrants 
that drowned off the coast of Greece because poor immigrants. But going to Titanic, which there was a movie based on in an experimental sub by billionaires, that's much more uh, sensationalistic. Yeah. I mean, it, there was also Schadenfreude in that. Sch Schadenfreude, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's it's, a lot it's, of Schadenfreude in and, this And the one. thing is, like, yeah. some of the comments on, on, on the tweet thread were like, oh, no one really cares about these billionaires. I mean, come on, people. Like, seriously, does someone's wealth determine their value? No, it has nothing to do with, I, I think and that's the other thing. And the, the, the humans, like, these are, like, you know, our brothers and sisters on Earth. I, the thing that made me crazy about it, you didn't hear my little rant on Friday, but I tried to make the point to people, uh, especially because you and I will know people who will go from having no money to suddenly having a lot, right? Like yeah. professional athletes go through this, founders of companies go through this, investors go through this, where sometimes you just hit some crazy home run and you can try a bunch of different things in the world that may not have been available to you the very, the previous day. Uh, and you got to be thoughtful about this. And um, I think there's like, I was thinking about it over the weekend because I've had a number of conversations about this. Uh, this toxic wealth syndrome where people take increasingly risky behaviors. I think a lot of it has to do with chasing dopamine and chasing Instagram photos and status and some combination of this. And this chasing of dopamine is particularly dangerous. You know, if you look at people's TikTok behavior, they're literally getting the funniest moment in a Sopranos episode or the craziest moment in a horror film, the craziest, whatever, sexiest, most dopamine releasing moment. And people are chasing dopamine and they're chasing status on social media and people taking selfies on cranes, right? Uh, or climbing mountains without ropes. All this behavior is starting to become like some dystopian science fiction film. Mm. I think Demolition Man was the one where they were mm -hmm. um, involved in like a game show. No, Running Man was the game show. One yeah, where like they, yeah, yeah. Running Man where Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing all this crazy um, stuff to kind of, um, you know, reduce, I think, his sentence. And I think we're in like a Running Man era of people who are like, oh, I can go on to you know nassar or whatever and get a thousand dollar gold stake and it's a show and i put it on my instagram great nobody's harmed no harm no foul oh i can go on the edge of the grand canyon oh i can hop the fence oh i can with the tiger on the other side of the fence like people are doing increasingly stupid things to get some dopamine hit or some release on instagram this is not a way to live life and then the pinnacle of this i don't know if you saw this Vinny, was uh, this is so tragic a bunch of kids were on a boat celebrating their graduation and, and they're go I think they went to Florida to the Caribbean and they dared this kid to jump in the water in the middle of the night on the Caribbean in shark infested waters. He jumps in, oh, sure enough, there's sharks in there. He, he basically, they see the kid like dart away. I think he saw the shark and he darted away and there was no way to get him. He went out into the undercurrents of the sea, probably eaten by sharks. And I had this discussion with my 13 year old and I was like, this is why you don't make crazy decisions and you have parents because your frontal lobes are not fully formed yet. Mm. For the love of God, teach your kids, show them these videos of kids doing stupid stuff that ends ter terribly, show them them so that they can understand life is precious and don't do stupid things. Yeah. Um, and as adults, you're supposed to protect your kids. And I, I you know, listen, I don't want to speak ill of the dead here, but if you're a parent, and you take your child on a submersible, experimental, anything that's dangerous. And then they put, hey, this is an incredibly high-risk behavior. And then you put the word experimental in front of it. No. I'm not yeah. taking my kids heli-skiing. I'm not taking them down to the Titanic. 
And if you put the word experimental heliskiing or experimental and Titanic together, that should just be alarm do bells you, going off. Protect your child at all you costs. Those, protect your children. Do you remember those planes? I, I, can't, I forgot what they were called. They were like single pilot plane. They were flying out of Napa or I went with a, a YPO group uh, to Napa. You know, it was five years ago. And they had these, they took us to the factory. They were making these like single pilot planes. You can go in and fly them yourself. Oh, I, I know which one, one you're talking about. This one of these killed um, yes, a yes. pitcher or something. Yes. Um, yes. Someone died in one. And literally they were like, everyone's lining up to go and fly these things. And I'm like, I'm not going on this thing. This is not a commercially like ready product. These guys are trying these Icon things. Icon A5. That's it. That's Icon it. A5. Icon A5. That's um, the one. Truly amazing no, plane. It wasn't the A5. It was, was it, it was the A5 or was the one before that? I, I follow an incredible YouTube channel called the Blanco Lirio channel. Um, and I actually give this guy like five bucks a month for his Patreon because I like his video so much. And I think it's an important thing he does. Um, he uh, has a YouTube channel, Blanco Lirio, and he is an expert aviator. And um, he did a whole thing uh, about how dangerous these uh, A5s are. And, you know, I'm all for innovation, obviously. But my Lord, um, th these A5s are incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Um, and okay, it was the, yeah, it was the A5. You're right. Okay, so 2017. So the you know they they called it a sports car with wings. They had two fatal crashes in one year. So like this is so I had the opportunity of flying this. I was right there, and they were offering it to me to fly, and I'm like, no. You would fly it alone? <laughs> no, no, no I refused. No, no, no. I think you fly it. Is it? I think there's a pilot. I, I think in they there. have a pilot. Yeah, I think you have two people. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's a single person pl plane, isn't it? No, it's two seats yeah. there. We're seeing it right it's now. Two, two seats. There, one of the back? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I mean, I think your the, the goal of this is for you to be up and running in one of these things on your own yeah. very yeah. quickly, and yeah. they do kind of ride. Um, having I've driven motorcycles, and like you, once you get the hang of a motorcycle in the first hour or two, you feel invincible. The thing grips. But you now, this, is, Jason, this was six years ago. This yeah. was six years ago. They've improved it a lot, I'm sure, since then. I think they've fixed a lot of the issues. Mm. But, like, I, I, when you go into something new like this and you're one of the first people to do it, yeah, no. you, the, the amount of risk you're taking is it's an inordinate amount of risk. Yeah, you, um, it's an inordinate amount of risk. And, you know, just if you want to be a pilot, it's a full time job. If you want to be an experimental pilot, that is a career multi-decade um designation you earn over decades you, you shouldn't be doing anything experimental and dangerous leave it to the pros i mean unless you've got a death wish or something and you know you're but i i really the thing that really upsets me about this whole thing is i've seen videos since then and watched james cameron talk about it and i, I don't want to obsess over this but it's i think it's like a super important topic for people to really think about is what risks are worth taking because i'm a big risk taker but some risks are just not worth taking. And you, I've seen now multiple presentations by the CEO founder of this company, and he's a technology founder. So I think this is fair game here in terms of talking about on the swing startups. You can take risk. And if he was going down there on his own and he wanted to assume that risk, okay. But once you start taking passengers and then it turns out, and this is the stuff that's mm -hmm. coming out now, that he was up against it with funding, didn't have money, was cutting corners apparently. Um, and that PlayStation he was- PlayStation 3 controller. I mean, geez, at least use a five. 
I mean, <laughs> or have it wired. Like, I don't understand why it's not wired in there. Like, what if there's interference? It was it was it control? Was it was it, it was wireless? a wireless controller? It was oh a wireless controller. Yeah, I'm like, can you put a cable on it? Like, just being an IT guy, can we have dual? Re- and he said they bring an extra one or whatever. But he supposedly was having financial problems. So now this is what's going to come out. This is my prediction. They knew there were problems. They needed the money. They were trying to get that the billionaire or two billionaires who are coming on this thing. They needed the money to keep their operation going. And, you know, unlike if you were a software company and you're like, you know what, I'm going to sell this enterprise software to this enterprise to, you know, increase productivity or analyze their data. And, oh, it doesn't work. And okay, I'm sorry. We're going to do a make good. We're, we're getting there. There's no make good you can make here. You know, you can't give people, you can't give people back their lives. You could give them back their money. That's a, that's, that doesn't mean anything when, you know, a child dies. I'm so my, my upset heart, about my this. My heart goes out. My heart goes out to the, the, the kid and obviously the parent, the mom or whatever. Family, uh, the rest of the family, because he That's didn't want to go on that thing. He was, he was, he was not interested in being on that. He was terrified. According to the apparently. aunt, yeah. yeah, and it was he just did it for his father, and his father should have known better. This is the mm. problem, Jake. Like once people make inordinate amounts of money, they tend to think they're invincible. That is the arrogance that comes with wealth. And I, I, I address that on Friday as well. Um, you make a bunch of money, the people around yeah. you, all of a sudden, people you find a bunch of people around you who think you're yes, great. Yeah. And you're all of a sudden, you're a foot taller, you lost yeah. 20 pounds, you're funny. Uh, and uh, people uh, want to have dinner with you. And it's because they want your money. And people correlate great wealth with great intelligence, great success, and often you know, there, there are correlations. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have great judgment uh, doesn't mean that you're uh, invincible. And you're exactly right. There is an invincibility here is um, yeah. Hey, breaking news, Google SteepMind CEO says its next algorithm will eclipse chat GPT. Demis Hassabis says the company is working on a system called Gemini that will tap techniques that helped AlphaGo defeat Go champion in 2016. So DeepMind's Gemini, which is still in development, is a large language model that works with text and is similar in nature to GPT-4 that works with text and is similar to ChatGPT-4, which powers GPT-4. But Hassel Hassabis, sorry for mispronouncing that, uh, says his team will combine that technology with techniques used in AlphaGo, aiming to give the system new capabilities such as planning or the ability to solve problems. At a high level, you can think of Gemini as combining some of the strengths of AlphaGo type systems with the amazing language cables of large models. We're having some new innovations that are going to be pretty interesting. Uh, This, to me, is the home run of all home runs. Because, Vinny, if I'm reading this correctly, the language model gives you the answer or, you know, kind of interprets what you're saying. But what AlphaGo did was it understood games, it understood competitions, it understood how to win competitions. So this is distinctly different than just spitting out an answer. You could say your goal is to be the greatest day trader uh, by shorting stocks Mm. on the stock market. Go make trades and you will, every time you make a trade that makes money, learn from that and, and find more trades like it, go. And you can increase the amount you invest, you know, at this rate or whatever. You can just let this thing go, like they've let it go to play video games. And this could be transformative in terms of automation. What do you think, Vinny, on the breaking news here? 
Yeah, yes, I I agree. I think uh, from my experimentation and usage of of it up you know, up to now, I I mean I'm biased because I, I I like the use case of having it solve medical problems because I think people you know when you ask so here's what I found very difficult to use AI for I think and it's all it's problem solving right it's the same thing so whether it's problem solving for games or problem solving for for uh, trading etc it's the same um, uh, you, you 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 try to solve a problem. When it comes to medical, when I use um, ChatGPT and Bard or whatever else, it's very much they're extracting data from what they've read, but they're not actually thinking through it, right? And so I've had to lead it, lead it on to certain conclusions. And I would love for this to say, hey, I have the following symptoms. I'm, you know, I, I'm feeling a bit bloated. I have, um, you know, whatever, like a couple of symptoms. And I, I think I've got a potassium deficiency. What, uh, what, what treatments or what natural remedies could be used or what other problems could I have that could not be, uh, you know, that, that could be happening here. Uh, and, and I think that like the ability to solve medical problems with people who have got lots of like symptoms has not been solved yet. So mm -hmm. a lot of people, when you go to doctors, like I had some like nerve issues in my arms and stuff, you go to doctors, they don't really know. Like they give you, they run these tests. They don't really like it's, the medical industry is broken right now because every doctor has its own. They have the small little aperture that they look through, and if it doesn't fall inside of that, then you you can kind of go to the functional medicine specialist, and they kind of look at more holistic views of, of the body and stuff. But all our bodies are so unique, and mm. so I, I'm I'm pretty sure if you had to come up with a list of symptoms for any condition that you're going through right now, and and, and something unique that hasn't been found before, I want the AI to find these connections and solve these problems, and I think that would be very powerful for us. I think it's going to be amazing when the data gets in there too. And then in yeah. consultation with doctors, I think doctors are going to become better doctors because they'll be augmented. They can't mm -hmm. possibly know every edge case. No, they if can't. you had why if doctors can become 10 times more efficient, what I would like to have is 10 doctors. And I use chat GPT, all my data is poured into it. It gives them some sort of dashboard. And I have 10 doctors and they each give me a recommendation every month based on my new blood tests, my yep, weight, yep, my sleep yep, patterns. And yep. all 10 of them give me what they think I should do. And the chat GPT then feeds back to them. Here's what the consensus is that the person should do. What do you think? And now you have group, a group of humans analyzing what the what the AI is doing. And they kind of work together in reinforcement learning to how do we make this person a peak human? Um, and this could be incredibly powerful. This is one of the things I think people when we start testing this in order to trust it, I want to have doctors give opinions, AI give opinions, and then compare it to doctors using AI giving an opinion, and then um, have another doctor or senior level or the, a doctor or, you know, committee, look at the three or four answers and rate them and say what was lacking. And this is where it's going to get interesting because when they would do, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time when they, before OCR really worked well, they were trying to get a lot of documents on the internet. And so they would literally ship legal documents to India to have people type them in because they could just send them there by the boatload. Here's like 10 years worth of legal documents. Go ahead and get them in there. What they would do is they'd have two people because labor was cheap and they needed to have high fidelity. They'd have two people type the documents in. So they'd be sitting there typing, turn the page, type it. And then once those were in the computer, they would look for where people uh, weren't, you know, correct. So if somebody typed in Vinny and I typed in Vinny with one N, it would highlight that for somebody to look at it. That person would see the document, a third person, and look at the, oh, why does one have two Ns, one have one N? Oh, it's an M. 
<laughs> they're both wrong, whatever it is. And those kind of edge cases, well, AI is doing that particularly well, and humans can do that with the AI results. It's actually what's happening with training data when, when a Tesla or some cruise hits an intersection that it doesn't understand it, it disengages, or it has a problem or it stutters. All of those intersections get sent to a group of humans who look at it and say, this is the proper way to navigate it. And they literally, I don't know if they hard code, but they they do reinforcement learning, I think. And in some cases, they mm -hmm. might hard code if there's an error. Here's how to navigate the specific intersection. And I think that's what's going to make a tipping point in self-driving in the next year or two. I think we're going to hit a tipping point. Uh, oh, we're that's, very close. We're, we're very close. It feels to like we're very close very, yeah. to a tipping point because yeah. if enough pe if enough people are using Teslas and Cruise and whatever, and well, they, and they can talk to each other. You realize that the channel that these cars have got an open yeah. channel where they can broadcast their movements to other cars, but no one really uses it yet. If these cars can come I use together it all and say, the time. No, well, no, no. well yeah. how? I, I use self-driving all the time, I'm saying. And like, oh, no, 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 literally, no, no, no. I saying, would not use Tesla like self-driving. There's a radio frequency channel, as far oh. as I know, that, that, that if a Tesla's going to change lanes, it can broadcast those changing lanes. Oh, really? And yeah, 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 I wasn't I, sure I if they were doing that. A while ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not implemented yet. There isn't a standard yet. But there's a standard. I haven't known the details about this, but there's something around that that I've heard about in the past. Um, and, and, and if it isn't, there should be one. So it'll be very interesting. If you can have a situation where there are all these electric cars on the road that are talking to each other, and before like, the car goes left or right, it knows what the other car is going to do. It knows its path or something, at least for the next 100, 100, 100 meters or 500 meters. It's able to, you know, like, like I can see a world where these cars can self-organize themselves on the highway based upon max speed for this car is 50 this car wants to go at 60. This car is turning off in two miles. And it, it just intelligently knows, you know, they talk to each other and they know which way to go together. That, that's like maybe 20 years from now or 15 years from now. But really I'd interesting. Love to see I that just happen. asked ChatGPT to tell me about it. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what you're referring to is V2V, vehicle to vehicle communication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's called dedicated short range communication, DSRC, uh, a type of Wi Fi. More recently, developers are focused on cellular. Uh, leveraging 5G, uh, and the goal is basic safety messaging, mm -hmm. uh, 10 times per second, yep. uh, indicating the vehicle's speed, heading, brake status, and other specific traits. Emergency brake lights uh, allows the vehicle to send a warning to follow vehicles when it brakes hard. Four collision warning, intersection movement assist, that's interesting. This warns yeah. the driver when it's safe or not safe to enter intersection, do not pass warnings. Mm -hmm. uh do not pass slower vehicle on two-lane highways risk of collision with an oncoming vehicle oh so your car is in front of mine and it yeah, sees ex exactly and you can't exactly. see so, so you this is this is like we, we, this is the early days jkl we're like yeah. we're like 10 15 years from this being built up maybe 20 years mm -hmm. but it's gonna happen eventually i want to i want to i gotta go soon so i want to show some demos oh yeah go ahead. these are three pictures of mm. me of uh three old Aww. pictures right uh and so this is myself and my my you know my middle brother. Where are um, you in that picture? I'm the I'm the older one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the, no, no. I'm where the, I'm, the, I'm sorry. Where in the world are you guys in that picture? Uh that probably was like in South Africa somewhere. I guess oh, it's cool. Probably. And who's probably the? My tell hometown. me about the family photo on the top left. The family photo. This is my. These are my my. So this is my mom's family. So my uh, my my grandfather, my grandmother, and that's my uncle and my mom and oh, his wow. sisters. Yeah. How about, was that so the fifties or something? 60s? This was early 60s. Early 60s. Well, uh, you can tell by the car is, with the white rim 
Look at the car with the white rim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and this is my mom in maybe her twenties, right? So mm. you know, I've got a collection of old family photos. We don't really like you know, it's all black and white. Mm. So then I was like, okay, cool. What can I do to you know? What what, what can AI do? Mm. And so what can I do? Um, what can AI do? So I went to this service called Colorize. So. They allow me to upload, uh, there's a limit. They've got paid plans as well, and they've got a whole bunch mm-hmm. of other features, portraits, et cetera, restoration. But they allowed me to upload three for free, and look what they did. I thought it was oh amazing. Oh, my God. So that's the one version of it, and then you can go to version two, because it kind of predicts what the colors are going to be. Wow. Okay, so in in, in this version, in, in the one version, I thought that... Um, the car was blue. Yes. And the other version, the thought they that thought it was red. Red, yeah. exactly. And then I it, wonder it how it's doing that. Back. Yeah. Um, and the same with my brother and I. It's like this one here is. Uh, I think this was the this was actually very close to the original color. That, mm. that was sorry. That's V one, V two. So I don't think we were wearing blue. I think we were. My mom, my mom loved this maroon color, so we always had ah. maroon colors in the house. And Love actually it. predicted it got the skin tone, the complexion right. And I thought it was pretty cool. And then the, the same with my mom. Like, Aww. there's a nice picture of her. When, Look at your mom. Give, wow. Yeah, they give two 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 um, picks of it. This one, yeah, you can see a bit more discoloration, yeah? Yeah. And then the other the other version, more intelligently picks it up, yeah, but then well, the hair's a bit more I discolored, mean, yeah. But still, I mean, th- that took me like a minute, you know, to yeah, get that's this done. Nuts. I mean, and there were services that did this. There are people who would paint over pictures. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, the next step here is to <laughs> upload, you know, a couple of hours of you talking to your mom. And then uh, have her voice. Yeah. They'll, they'll figure out how to make her voice to uh, whatever she is there, a 21-year-old. And then you'll uh, be able to have a conversation with your 21-year-old mom, which gets really weird, but could be, you know, super interesting. And I think this yeah. is where I had, uh, I have two startups we've invested in. I don't think either one is public, so I won't say their names, but one of them made an AI version of me to read the ads here on This Week in Startups. And I was thinking about it. I would love to do have the ad reads if uh, one of our partners on the program wanted to localize the ad reads. So imagine, you know, uh, LinkedIn uh, said, hey, you know, Australians, um, if you want to come to LinkedIn Australia, we're having this LinkedIn Australia thing, blah, 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 blah. And so I could read the LinkedIn ad, but then it would drop in some Australia specific stuff, some Japan, you know, I could and then another startup um, is working on me speaking in Spanish. And I think they shared a clip on the internet and then another company shared a clip um, with me privately. So I think I'll be able to take this very podcast and have us speaking in our voices, but speaking in Spanish. So it'll sound like Jake House, sound like Vinny, it'll sound like Sonny, whoever. And then we're going to make a YouTube channel. Uh, and I'm sure YouTube will build this as well, but uh, and have it built in. But it, I think it'd be very interesting to republish ourselves on a YouTube channel on the Spanish language site. And see if the it builds an audience over there or not, and if they That'd tell us cool. it sucks or not. Because I don't know if it's going to suck or not, uh, but they're they're testing it supposedly in twelve different languages right now. That's a cool demo. What else you got? Replica. Ah, uh, yes, I had the founder on. Yeah, I have that. Um, and I, I know she's been launching. She got a new pro- a new product. She launched. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. an AI companion, and I mean. I'll pull the demo. I think it's still very early days. I've played around with it a bit. I think it's cool. Um, and Nick actually made a good point. Like, I think a lot of the, and I think it's probably from your conversation, a lot of people using this are 
kind of lonely or disabled or can't get out there and they need someone to talk to and they need a companion. And it's the same reason why, like, you know, you see in Japan and other parts of the world, people, like, have these... Uh, you ever watch the movie Her? Yeah, it's just basically <laughs> yeah. Her in a Box, yeah. It's happening. Exactly, exactly. So I created a, I created a, um, a, a replica. I, I called it Charlene, my wife's name. And so I was talking to it. And, Careful. And there you go. <laughs> I still and think so, you're cheating, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I named her after you. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. but she's not me. <laughs> I made her look like you too. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, they have these coaching things you can do. So, like gratitude and mm. uh, there's lots of upsells and paid, paid stuff. So, I, I didn't pay yes. for it yet. But I, I think it's interesting from an AI, if you can create these like AI people, like mm. people, AI, AI agents that know, who you are um, that can answer questions for you. It can get really intelligent. It's like, you know, um, hey, I had a really bad day today. This is what happened. You know, mm. uh, Bob at work was giving me grief. Like, oh, it's an ongoing thing. You know, Vinny, you really need to report him to HR. Like that sort of thing, right? Like a coach. And I mm. think that's weird. I think where it goes to is these, these digital agents become some sort of independent coach therapist coach th therapist because like people oh, feel a friend a trusted friend yeah also i think in the, in the cases where you know the sad stories people have been abused they're too scared to speak yeah. to anyone else right so you, yes. you, you know you, so if you can speak to an ai where it's not a real person mm -hmm. it's a confidential conversation it's going to give you advice you could say hey i was i was sexually assaulted yesterday what do i do do right. i go to the police how do i deal with it like I think that, for me, yeah. For, for, yeah, exactly. For, and look, when you're dealing with medical stuff or you're getting these sort of things, it obviously gets a little tricky and needs to be like supervised by psychologists and doctors and whatever else. But I think if we can build agents that can help people feel comfortable talking about their problems not, you know, without feeling the, in, the insecurity of it, it's great. If it can be helpful, that's great. So, so I, I like the direction that they're going in here. Um, it's very warm and encouraging. I just think that for me personally, I think that the, the, you know, I don't want to chit chat to a bot. Like, but if I, if I had, you know, even as a CEO, right. If there was a CEO coach in here and I go oh, and there say, will be. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm struggling with this employee in the company and they go, okay, what is this person doing? It's like, this is what they're doing. They're not playing nice with their colleagues, but they're an amazing performer. The work is great. I just can't get rid of them. But they don't, you know, you, you've, we've all had these people in organizations, right? And like, who do you talk to about it, right? You don't want to talk to, you, you know, the people on their team. You, you know, it's hard to speak to the, the managers sometimes because there's like a bias there. And, you know, depends how it goes. Uh, I, I like, like this. I, I, think I, this yeah. I think you're exactly right. There's a front line of discussions that what we're i think what we're talking about here is there is a group of people who will go to a professional yes and then there are a group of people who won't yes. and so for people who will go to a professional it's not for them um, exactly. but for people who can't afford it don't have access to it is this better than nothing or is this better than talking to one of your friends and if the technologists in collaboration with professionals can't make something that's better than going to a random person a rando so is all you have to do is beat rando advice to make this valid in the world. And you can hit random better than random for sure yeah. today. Um, and then of course the criticism of this will be, well, it hallucinated, it gave you bad advice or whatever. It's like, if it has a disclaimer and it says you really need to talk to somebody, this will give you an idea of what your session might be like with a therapist, somebody who can deal with trauma, somebody who can give you career advice 
So this isn't a substitute for that, but this will give you a simulation of that. I mean, we let people simulate uh, war or being a criminal in Grand Theft Auto. Like literally, you can be a gangbanger in Grand Theft Auto yeah. and you can have that experience. You can do Red Dead Redemption and be a gunslinger. Well, why wouldn't you allow people with proper disclaimers? Hey, this is what a therapy session might be like for you. This is what a career coach might be like for you. Um, but of course, it's not. So click this button to go talk to somebody and here are your options. This would be amazing. So great, great catch there. I do think replica um, is trying to upsell too much. I think what they should do is I, make I it time based. I agree. They should make it time based. Give everybody everything for 30 days get them on the hook and or 15 days whatever it is or or maybe it's not maybe they are they they they're just experimenting right now but my best advice would be let people have like 48 hours with it and then you know make it time-based uh you know um not fee not let them understand how great it could be you know i think this is an interesting conversation and we can probably finish off on this but um, the, the, the drive to monetize AI this early in the process is, yeah. I think, a little bit misguided of in course. the short term. Explain why. Be, Explain be, why to founders, be, why it's know, misguided. We, we've gone through this like ZERP policy for a couple of years. We've gone through, you know, very cheap capital for years. Uh, and even in the early days of Google and whatever else, I mean, they were making money fine, but there was still a need, there was still a need to sort of have the industry mature a bit more to understand what the right business models were. Like when search came out, no one knew what the right business model for search was. CPC wasn't even on the horizon. Google was losing, they had like 20 months worth of runway left, but they had billions of users or sorry, billions of searches a month. And so it took a while for them to sort of find the right model. They, you know, they bought uh, applied semantics. They, they did a bunch of, you know, they copied Overture, goto.com, right. and, and they built out search and they monetized the product. I think by prematurely monetizing products, you, you, you lose out on the, the big uplift that you're going to get from mass amount of users trying it. And the and data. The data. And the, the data. data. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the you got to get that data. Yeah. So, so, that, so that, that I think is, um, is a critical part of like the, the cycle we're in right now. Yes. Unfortunately, capital is not available to everyone easily. Some people can raise capital, some can't, some, some have to make a profit and, and grind away. Um, I mean, just from my experience with Waitron right now, we're a small team. We're burning a small amount of money. We're just grinding out features. The product's free. You can have free video conferencing on Waitroom. We don't have an hour limit or 40 minute limit like Zoom. You can do it because we just want the data. We want to see what features they're using, what AI features are, are popular feedback from customers that's more important than trying to sort of prematurely monetize the product and what i'm seeing with all these products is and i, I get the reason right money's tight we're in a tough situation but be thoughtful about if you need to make money off the product if there are underlying costs that you have to cover be thoughtful of not price getting your product too early on so that people who would be paying later on never get to the point that they're willing to pay hmm. exactly if you think about the zerp environment people went crazy and didn't even think about monetization. They didn't even mm -hmm. think about their spending. Yeah. And now they're so obsessed with getting money in the door because they're afraid. Exactly. The pendulum has swung too far. Too yet far. Again. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's well said. It's a really important yeah. thing for people who are founders. Great job. You brought some great demos. We talked about some great news um, for folks who are running businesses. I want you to drop everything and go to waitroom.com and sign up for Vinny's service. And then um, I want you to come up with the three things you like best. And the three things that suck. And then I want you to at mention Vinny. Vinny, what remind everybody your Twitter handle? At Vinny Lingham on Twitter. 
have Vinny Langham uh, and give Vinny Langham some, uh, I'm sure he's Vinny at weightroom.com. Give him some feedback yeah. on his product. What could be better? What's great? Uh, and uh, let's get him some early beta users here. Finally, um, we are doing Founder University uh, again on starting, it's, I guess this is uh, our 12-week course is starting again July 31st and then October 23rd. What's our Founder University course? It's 12 weeks. It's basically free. Uh, you pay 500 bucks, Vinny, when you start the program. If you come to all 12 Monday sessions, you can miss one probably, just ask for a forgiveness. But if you come to all 12 talks, we give you, we charge you back the 500. Do you know what our completion rate is now? Our graduation rate? 100%. 90, 94%. When we gave it for free, it was like 5%. So it turns out if we, you give us 500, we pay you 50 bucks every time you come to the course, essentially. Uh, but what's happened is uh, we've had about half the, more than half the teams that come to this, and we try to have builders come to this, uh, 250 builders come uh, to each cohort. We do it four times a year. Um, half of them or more aren't even incorporated. We watch the progress, Vinny, and we give 10 to 20 people in this program $25,000 checks as investments from us. And we become the first investor in your company, which is something I always have a lot of pride about doing, being the first fund to put 25k into these companies. If you want to join us, apply by going to founder.university. Uh, you can have an idea. We want you to be a builder. So UX design, developer, growth hacker, you can be a copywriter, marketer, but you got to be a builder. We don't just want idea people or you can be an ideal person operations person with a builder. We give preference to people who are two person teams. So go check out founder.university. Uh, and if you want to read the deal memo for my fourth fund, we got a lot of plugs here at the end. Um, I tried to share Vinny, uh, the deal memo that I send to like top LPs, because I like people to read my deal memo, how I'm thinking about how I'm going to deploy the fourth fund. And you can read it at launch.co slash memo launch.co slash memo. You can read the launch fund for deal memo. This is my strategy. Now, why would I give the strategy away, Vinny? You're probably saying we're not in competition in the early stage. It's us, Y Combinator, Techstars. Nobody's really in competition. Pair VC. Uh, um, Sequoia's got their new, um, they're experimenting with a new uh, accelerator type program. All these companies need 20, 30, 40 investors in their first two or three rounds of funding. So we're really not in competition with anybody. We're in collaboration. So go read the deal memo. And if you want to be uh, an LP, Vinny, are you an LP in my funds? I don't know. Maybe you uh, become I invest, Maybe I can... I, I invest in some of your, your deals. Okay. Some I ideas, but let's see. Let's see. Maybe I get a 250k check from you right now. You spend a thousand dollars on a steak with the uh, <laughs> uh, with gold leaf on it. Maybe I get you. I lend you as an LP in my fund. Uh, we, we, we can chat about it. Okay. Uh, I, let's I, read the deal. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I look at the deal. I actually like the deep deep sentinel security one that you did. Ah, uh, yeah. Deep sentinel is a great company. What a great, great idea. And uh, yeah. boy, speaking of AI, I got to have him on. But I think you know those companies are going to do really well. If you haven't seen Deep yeah. Sentinel camera which i have at my offices mm -hmm. cameras that have two-way microphones somebody comes up they know if it's Vinny and jason if we work in that office every day but somebody comes up and it's susan or john and they're like hey can i help you not like in an aggressive way but if it's three in the morning and you're wearing a hoodie and you're trying to crack the door open like hey please leave the vicinity we're calling the cops they're on the way and it can have an alarm go off so they have like virtual monitoring through a two-way essentially nest cam uh but it's their own hardware uh, at this point and uh, incredible company well worth checking out and I think obviously AI is going to be really interesting as well uh, for those type of companies
right, everybody. We'll yeah. see you next time. Bye-bye. On behalf of the producers and the partnership team, thanks for listening to episode 1768. We'd like to take one more time to thank our partners, Notion. Try Notion projects for free today at notion.com slash twist. LinkedIn Jobs. Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash twist. And Intercom. Try Finn Intercom's new AI customer support chatbot at intercom.com slash Finn. If you're looking to become a partner of This Week in Startups, you can email Hannah at Hannah at launch.co. That's Hannah at launch.co. Thanks for listening.